Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. As we are a massive fan of his, he is the head of ECR. That's Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed Carpenter joins us now. All right. You sound like you're in the wind. Where are we today? I'm out of the track still. Do I need to go get out of the wind, or is this acceptable? No, nah, you're cool. You're out on the okay. you're out on the track right now. Well, I'm in the garage area. Oh, well, what are you doing? Just uh, today was what they call media day, so lots of pictures, lots of interviews with radio people that are here from all over the place, and they make us sign a bunch of stuff. So yeah, just getting finished up with that. You're my last of the calendar today so what a great way to end the day <laughs> ed carpenter's with us this is old hat to you right and this is has this, i know a lot of things have changed dynamically uh regarding this race but it kind of seems like everything leading up to with stuff like you're doing today that hasn't really changed very much is that true no i mean yeah really the, the i mean over the course of my 20 years there's been like some tweaks but for the most part the cadence of the month is is mostly the same so it's it's nice i'm a routine person in yeah. general i know you can appreciate that so it's, i can it's kind of nice just because the build up through the week you know i don't mind all the things we have to do because it's just the way it's always been and it's part of the preparation that's uh, ed carpenter is with us all right so passion was on with me yesterday and called a shot and i'll explain it in this context he was on yesterday and said I feel now like I felt in 2019, and he had mentioned a story in which he had called his shot to those around him in 2019. Now, I'm not going to ask you to speak to that, but I am going to ask you about a certain feel of confidence that you have. Um, is that, that something that you have have? Do you have it right now, or is much like your routine, is it always kind of the same even keel pitch that you have going into the weekend for this race? Well, I mean, just because you have a routine doesn't mean you feel the same way. So, yeah, I mean, certainly there's there's years where you feel like you have something special more so than other years where it's been kind of a struggle. But, yeah, for, I'm not I'm not calling my shot. I feel I feel really comfortable, confident and relaxed, which to me is a good sign. Um, you know, I don't I'm not into manifestation necessarily. So. That kind of sounds like what he's doing, um, but I feel. I, I think. I, I think. Yeah, he was somewhere between joking, but confident. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, but I know what he's saying. I mean, you. There's years where you know it's going to be an uphill battle, you know, whether you say it out loud or not. And there's years where you know you've got a great opportunity. So I, I definitely feel like this is a year that we've got a great opportunity. So Ed Carpenter of ECR on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, give me give me some of those reasons why you believe with you there's a great opportunity. And then on the other side, I'll ask you something different about some reasons of concern you might have going in. Let's start with the positive. What are some of the things you have seen out of you and your team that you really like going into this weekend? 
Uh, I think we've been really consistent over the whole, you know, going back to the open test until now through all the conditions we've run in, whether it's warm, cold, cloudy, sunny, hot track, cool track. You know, we, we've seemed to have, you know, a solution for everything that is thrown at us. The cars are quick and, you know, you just feel comfortable in the car. We haven't really been fighting any major problems and, you know, things are going towards, you know, mostly towards the plan. On the other side, uh, some things that might have gotten your attention of concern going into this weekend. What might they be? I mean, nothing really. Uh, you know, the, the only things I really worry about at this stage are things that I can't control that are, you know, outside of, of you know, things that we can influence. You know, and that's, that's one of the tricky parts about this race always. Um, but for for what I can control, what what the team can control with our three cars, you know, I feel like we're, we've done a really good job. I, I feel like we're all prepared as a group or as a unit, you could call it, and individually. All right. Weather forecast, and obviously the weather in general, plays a huge role in that race on Sunday. I mean, it looks like that the weather forecast is going to be consistent and a little bit warmer than what we see, for example, today. What does the weather forecast on Sunday look like to you, and is it conducive to a lot of speed and a great race, at least in terms of the weather, Ed? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, yeah, the weather looks good. There's nothing I see that is going to be a showstopper. Um, but, yeah, I think that as far as what it looks like for the entertainment, you know, I think it's going to be a good day. It's going to, right now it's looking like it's going to be fairly warm but cloudy, which I think will help everyone. I don't know if that's what's best for me or not, but I think it'll it'll be more conducive to, you know, good racing, more passing. You know, anytime it's sunny and the track temp gets hot, it gets more difficult for us and for the cars and tires to to be at their best performance. So, you know, it, it'll it'll make things more interesting, I think. It's Ed Carpenter, ECR. He's the head of Ed Carpenter Racing on the Andy Morrow Automotive Group Hotline. I want to talk about your teammates, too, for a moment. And Renus VK obviously has been outstanding since his arrival. Where, where is he right now? Where is that car and, and that particular group right now, his crew, uh, compared to what you have seen in the past? He looks, I mean, really, he did. He looked as good as anybody out there over the weekend. How, how do you size <laughs> he and his crew up going into Sunday? I mean, he's going to be a factor. You know, I, I think all three of us can be factors. You know, he's he's in the best position starting starting up front. Um, anytime you're on the front row, it makes your job a lot easier. Connor and I have a lot of work to do to, to put ourselves in position to be at the front to win this race. You know, Renus just have to, has to stay there, um, you know, which is, you know, it can be equally, equally as hard, but it's, it's more simple, um, you know, so I think he's in a great spot and, you know, he's got a lot more experience than, than the previous times that he's has been in that spot. So, you know, I think he'll be a factor. Yeah, this may be stupid and, and be a non-factor, but I'm, I'm kind of curious about it anyway. And I want to get into to Connor Daly with you, too. But does it put more pressure on you and, for example, Connor, because you guys are from here? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I, you'd have to ask him that. I don't think it does. I mean, I feel, I feel a lot of support, a lot of love and a lot of motivation. So I don't, 
I, I think I get energy from that more so feeling pressure from that because, you know, I've, I've been through a lot of good times and bad times around here, and I've never felt anything but support. So, you know, to me, it's all good. I didn't know if you felt like, you know, I'm from here, and I need to, you know, kind of, for lack of a better description, defend the flag, if you will. You know what I mean? You know, this is my, yeah. this is my common I guess, ground. I, I want to defend this. I guess I feel there's no more pressure I'm going to feel from anywhere than, than what I put on myself. So, you know, I guess I, that's why I don't feel pressure from the outside. As far as Connor is concerned, he was on the show yesterday talking about how excited he was about his situation. How has he looked, according to you, especially going back to last weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's I think he's been really good. You know, obviously, Connor and I both wanted to qualify a little better. He was probably more frustrated than I was after qualifying. And, you know, I was like, look, we've got, we've got great cars. Like, qualifying, you know, maybe we didn't qualify as well as Renus, but – you know, I think all, all of our cars have been really strong the whole time we've been here. And, you know, I think there's there's been days where each of us have better days than the other. But on a on a whole, we've all been really strong and really happy. And that's the most important thing. You know, Con- Connor started kind of in this area the past couple of years and has led laps both years. So, you know, he, he knows that he can get up there. He's done it before. The team's done it before. So, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why... Renus, Connor, myself, you know, I think we should all have a ton of confidence based on the work that the, the team and us individually put into it. All right. You got time to go watch a little bit of Brian Adams set with me tomorrow? Um, I don't know. I got to I gotta ask Bree. She, she tells me where I'm going, but I'll, I'll do my best to stop by and yeah. see, yeah. see you act a fool. Because I'm going to try to get out over there. You know, I normally go until 6. I'm going to try to get out over there by... 5.30, I've never seen Brian Adams, and as far, for me, as far as Carb Day Entertainment's concerned, this is, this is where, I mean, I, I've never seen him. I want to add that to my resume. I'm really excited about that tomorrow, so I mean, if, you, yeah, I, if you get time, I'd love show. to get you out there. I heard the show when you had him on, so I know you're excited for it. Um, yeah. and, it and it made me more excited for him to be here, too, to be honest. like That was a good interview. Is he... Um, is he somebody you would have listened to, or is he a little bit generationally? Did you kind of miss out on that a little bit? Now, again, he had songs of the 90s, but to me it was the better songs of the 80s that I pay attention to. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard his hits. You know, I wouldn't say he was someone that I just, like, speak out to listen to, but, you know, he's obviously got enough songs that just culturally you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's always it's always a fun day, so – I'm always excited to, to get done, kind of see it start to get crazy, and then duck out before it gets too wild. Well, you can also, we can walk over. I, I think they're having a uh, block party over in Speedway. We can do that on Main Street. You up for that? So you're, you're doing all this tomorrow? I might, yeah. Now, again, I'm, I'm a big talker. I may end up just going home. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, know, let me know where you end up if I don't see you over in the plaza. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know either Brian Adams or we'll go over. Like our friend Clayton Anderson is playing over on Main Street for the block party oh, yeah. tomorrow evening. And I thought I'd run over there and uh, check him out for a couple of minutes. And if you want to go, um, well, that, I'll hit that, you up. That'll and, and for see sure be time. a good time because I've never not had a good time with Clayton. 
No, there's no doubt about that. He'll show you a good time. Now, he may bring us up on stage to sing Friends in Low Places, if you don't mind. So that may happen. Yeah. No, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> All right, buddy. Man, go get it coming up on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, keep in touch. Let me know about tomorrow, and uh, we'll see if we can't get together and go check out a couple of different things tomorrow out there. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Joining us now, the Eddie Moore Automotive Group Potline from Andretti Autosport. He's in row number seven. Certainly that familiar name and had so much success so far in IndyCar. Let's have a conversation with Colton Herter right now. Colton, thank you for the time. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? A week leading up to the 107th running of the Indy 500. How has it been? I know that you're doing a lot of stuff today. It's community day out there, but uh, how is the week leading up for you? How has it been in the past? How is it right now? Uh, it's, it's busy, um, but it's a good thing. You know, obviously we have a lot of media obligations, um, but then obviously the most important bit is spend a lot of time trying to, to look over everything, as much data as we can to be best prepared so um yeah i'd say 50 50 mixture of both of those things is it good colton to have something that will take you away momentarily from that data from thoughts on the race you know everything you have to do once you know sunday comes here is it good for those fleeting moments to take you away from that or do you always want to remain focused on it I think it's hard to not remain focused on it. Um, you know, even even talking now, uh, I'm still kind of rambling in the back of my mind about thinking about the race and, and different strategies that we can take. How quickly do you forget about stuff? For example, uh, you're in row seven, right? And I'm sure that there's a lot of work that you and your team want to do, you and your crew want to do. How, how quickly do you move on? Um, I mean, it, it depends. It's easy to move on when you have a race. So it's uh, easy to move on, right? If we have a, like, if we have a bad Indy 500 here, um, you know, you have a race right, right after the next weekend. So it makes it that makes it easier. The hard part about moving on is if if you have a bad race and it's like the last race of the season, or you have a three week gap after, um, because really, you know, in this series, you're only as good as your last result. So yeah, it's it's funny too. We we talk a lot of football and you know a lot of basketball and stuff, and everybody always suggests, hey, you know what? If, if there's a bad play, a bad moment, you got to move on. It's drastically different for you guys, right? I mean, you and your team. It's not something that you could just momentarily move on from often. No, it's not. Um... Yeah, it's not like we have we have team practice the next day or or you know something like that. Um, a lot of the time you have, you have meetings afterwards, just reviewing everything. Um, so you know it's it's something that it's it's hard to kind of get past because it's it's not something that you can just get right back into and and get your mind off of it. Colton Herta joins us. How was your weekend overall this past weekend out at IMS? Um, it was not great to be honest. You know, obviously this is. 21st is my second worst starting spot. Um, you know, last year we, we blew an engine, so we had to start round 26th. But before that, I haven't started worse than 10th. So usually it's been um, a pretty good area, a strong suit for, for this team, and, and we just missed it a little bit this year. But the most important thing is, is we made the race and we're in it. And, um, you know, 500 miles is a long way. So I, I, I would imagine your life is a little bit easier starting up front, but I don't think it makes too much of a difference if you have a good car. Um, you'll get up to the front. Do you uh, find reasons why and solutions to that weekend wasn't great for you and your team? No, because we haven't really looked at it. Because we've been, you know, obviously you, 
your qualifying Saturday, Sunday, and then you have practice Monday. So you kind of get right back into sure. into it and just focus on the race. Um, that'll be something probably more towards the off season um, or in the next you know few months that that we'll have to get into just because of how hectic the schedule is right now. It's kind of back to back to back events and and stuff always happening. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at it, but it probably won't be for a little while. Do you like the qualifying and poll day format that you just went through? It is, yeah, it's my favorite favorite day in IndyCar racing. Um, it's, it's something special about qualifying for Indy and the speed that you have and the limit that you have to drive the car on um, with such little downforce and little stability at 240 miles an hour. That's just exhilarating. It is amazing, too, when you think about, you know, going for the pole or pole day at Indy, and you think about that in terms of, you know, other, you know, racing forms, whatever. There's nothing that holds a candle to just how incredibly dramatic the race for the pole is at Indy as it was this past weekend. Right. And I guess to put it into perspective, the Indianapolis area, it's it's something like 85% of the streets are signed at 45 miles an hour or lower. So if you imagine it, we're going close to another 200 miles an hour faster than that. Uh, <laughs> it really kind of puts it into perspective how fast that, that we're allowed to go. Wait, wait, wait. I almost think that there's a point you're making here about all these speed limits being 45. Is there a little bit of a point there? That's pretty funny, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, uh, just a good stat. <laughs> That's awesome. Colton Erna joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You're still incredibly young, yet you are experienced in IndyCar and certainly experienced at the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, what have you learned the most over these years? And, uh, you know, how are you now going into it compared to, for example, the first time you're a part of it? Um, I mean, I definitely know a lot more. I, I know what to expect a bit more than, than my rookie year, obviously. Still always evolving and, and always getting better. Even for a guy like like Elio, he's still finding new tricks, and he's won the race four times. So, it's um, it is a very interesting sport where you're kind of always evolving, and there's always things to learn um, and improve on. So, definitely more experience and and ready for it quite a bit more than than the last few years. And um, I'll probably say that for for the years to come too. Are you more patient now? Does um, does experience bring patience? With this, I think, uh, maybe a little bit. I think you understand that you can be a little bit more patient. Um, I think it's a hard thing to kind of tell yourself while you're driving. Um, so I, I would say yes, in theory. Um, although it's a hard thing when you're when you're going that fast and you're all amped up to be like, hey, you can slow down a little bit and, and calm down for a little bit. Yeah, I it, you know, I think, and that's something, especially out there, how important is experience at Indy compared to experience on any other course you're a part of? Well, it's a lot bigger than any other track because of how much time you spend on it. Um, you know, a normal weekend, it's a one, or sorry, a two or three day event. Most of the time, three days practice and, and qualifying Friday, then Saturday, and then the race on Sunday. Whereas here... Obviously, the the timeline has been cramped down to what it used to be, but we're still, you know, hours and hours and hours of of practice compared to the other places. You know, you practice for basically two weeks. 
Yeah, and, and it, it's unbelievable, the preparation. And, man, it is just so much focus on, you know, this one month in this case or these two-week periods in one year to make sure you're at your best. And Colton Hurd of Andretti Autosports on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I know that you lean a lot and, and certainly have with, with your dad in mind to give you advice. Um, as a current driver, who do you lean on the most? Who would be giving you the most advice uh, that you're competing against out there coming up on Sunday? Who comes to mind? Um, competing against nobody, but luckily we have teammates that, that kind of help us out. Um, well, I'm you know, assuming you compete talking. against them ultimately, so yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's really, um, I guess that the best guys is, you know, probably Elio or Marco Andretti. They obviously have huge amounts of experience here. Um, many, many races. I think this is Marco's 18th, and I don't know about Elio. It's probably his 60th or 61st. Um, He's been here for for a long time, so um, no, it's, it's, it's great to have guys that have been here forever. Um, obviously, Elio, four-time winner, uh, one of four, so it's um, yeah, he, he obviously knows a lot about this place and, and how to win here. You feel like you could drive anything? It's, it's been said all the time, and for the most part around here, it's always been said about Tony Stewart, Colton, for example. Tony Stewart, he can drive anything. You feel like you can drive and, and win with anything if you were in a, any part of a race, anything at all. I think to a certain degree, yes. Um, you know, I think if you were to put me in a cup car on Sunday and said go win the race, it would be unrealistic for, for I think, every driver in the world. But, um, you know, given enough time and enough practice, I think, yeah, I could I could hold my own. I'm not suggesting at all that you have any interest in going, but as a driver, would do you have interest in what it would feel like to be in a cup race? Because I know that you do with F1. We all know that, but would do you have like interest in what it would be like to be in a cup race? I, I yeah, I would love to try a cup car. Um, you know, they're obviously probably the furthest away from an Indy car that you could get as far as driving wise um, and driving style. So I think it would be really interesting to see what the difference is. I have a lot of respect for those guys. So I think they're they're very good at what they do, um, and I would love to uh, to try it at, at some point. You know, maybe do a Daytona 500, um, and and that's probably one of the easier ones to get into. I think if you were to hop in and go to a place like Michigan or Kansas or um, you know more so maybe these mile and a half tracks yeah. that that take a lot more skill and technique, um, it would be a, a lot more difficult. Have you let this be known? Has there ever been any dialogue about trying to get you in a race? Um, you, no, not 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 really. You know, I think it's a it's a tough thing. I'll probably have to wait. Obviously, to run Honda engines and um, supported by them, which which yeah. they don't run a fast car. So, um, yeah, I th- I think you know Honda's usually pretty good about if if there's a really good opportunity for us to do a one off at some point. Um, they would they would let us, but there are two big no nos. You can't race in a Chevy because obviously we compete against them in IndyCar, um, and then I wouldn't be able to race in a Toyota because it's another Japanese car manufacturer. Yeah, well, I mean, at, 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 okay. At some point, do you think you will participate in a a cup race? I would love to try. I would love to try one at some point. Um, it, it's very interesting to me. I think. If I were to do one, at least to start out with, I would like to try to do a super speedway or a road course. I think that would be the best way to get comfortable. Um, you know, because I think if I if I went to a place like Martinsville or, or like I said before, like any of these mile and a half, Vegas, Kansas, um, I think it would be very 
very steep learning curve just to do do it on the first go. So I, I would love to do one at some point. So what happens first, Colta, or Colton? You in a cup race or your band at Coachella? What happens first? <laughs> I, I would imagine me in a cup race. <laughs> Uh, um, what your, your band? Not your your band can get to Coachella, right? You're still drumming for your band. Uh, I I am, but it's slowed down because I moved away from from LA or spent a lot less time in LA now, um, which is where where we are all based. Um, so it it kind of it takes the racing is obviously the most important thing, and that takes a hold of pretty much eight months out of the year for for me. Um, and, and in those four months, I, I get a little bit of time off to, right. to hang out and play some music. So that's on the back burner for, for the moment. But um, yeah. The Zibs, right? The Zibs, your indie Correct. punk rock band. So um, that is it. Uh, original, originals or covers? And, and who, if you cover, who do you cover? We do not play covers. We only oh. play originals. Well, hell, okay then. There's nothing wrong with that. Who would, you if go. you were going to play a cover... Who would it be? Like, what what bands do you go? Oh, wow. I like that. I, I like what they do. Um, I would love. I, I really like like the Arctic Monkeys. Um, okay. Strokes. Um, they're both of them are are fairly basic on on drums, and they have a really good tone, and I really like their music. So I didn't know if you go. You know, obviously you're incredibly young. If you kind of grassroots like the Ramones or something like that for you guys. No, I love them too, but those those guys are they 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 made some very basic songs. Um, <laughs> they're just known for knowing four chords, right? So yeah, uh, maybe something a little bit more eccentric, but um, who knows? I love it. All right, well, the Zibs. We're gonna see you in a cup car before we see the Zibs at Coachella. So there you go. We'll see. Hey, man, the best of luck coming up on Sunday in the race. You're always a pleasure to have on here, and uh, we'll do it again very soon, Colton. I thank you. All right. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, CBS 4 and Fox 59. It is Mike Chappell. And, Mike, I kind of framed this up at the beginning of the show. You know, normally we would say, all right, well, OTAs, whatever. But there is such a high level of interest in watching every pass watching every decision that is on video that is tweeted or via social media from the fourth overall selection at quarterback, the 21-year-old rookie in this case, there is such, to me, a level of anticipation that we haven't seen because last year and the year before last, I think everybody had to be sold, right? I think everybody had to be sold on Matt Ryan especially but also Carson Wentz. It seems now everybody that's a Colts fan, maybe not all, but most are pretty satisfied with the direction, and they just want to see the evolution and the maturity of this quarterback, which makes this one of the more entertaining OTAs we've seen in a while. Well, everyone's excited because there is direction. You know, maybe at a different level, but if this was Will Levis or C.J. Stroud, there would still be that optimism there's there's there is something different with Richardson because there is so much of an unknown and but because of the brief you know the the 13 the, the 13 starts and what was it I went back and looked 390 some passes he threw in college whatever it was so, so but but there is there there's that hope and, and we're gonna I, I'll, I'll warn people right now we're gonna go so much overboard 
on dissecting this guy yep. Yep. from day to day. Now, during, during OTAs, we get one day a week, and it's about an hour and 20 minutes and all that. And, and, and then for the veteran minicamp, which is just an extension of OTAs, we're going to be breaking this kid down, oohing on over the great throws and the times he, he gets outside and runs, or, and, and then when he throws an interception, which he will. But, again, it's just he gives this team hope and direction, and until now they didn't have it. Uh, again, I think it will be the same at some point if it's another quarterback, a, a, a high draft pick. But it's just going to be fun watching this this kid grow. It, it's funny because, like, like you mentioned, we were talking to Mo Ali Cox today, and he said, man, 20 years old. He said he just turned 21. He said, when I was 28, I still had three years of college to go. So it, it is different. But, uh, yeah, people, Colts fans should brace themselves for evaluation overload because that's what we're going to do until this thing settles itself in September on who the starter is. It's up Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He joins us. So how do watching it and those around for this team forever how do you evaluate this what, what exactly are you looking for out there I, I just mentioned when I asked this question of you you're looking for kind of an evolution you know kind of a step by step oh alright it looks like he's going to be ready because I look at it in terms of wanting to start the season with Anthony Richardson how do you view what he is doing out there? Because you're right. It's overanalyzed, but it's a necessity right now because that's what Colts fans want. Yeah, it, 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 I guess we're going to have to be careful on how we do analyze it. And, again, I'm not taking much out of how he performs in OTAs. What's important is we've seen what they told us we were going to see. He's out there sharing first-team reps with Minshew, which that's, that's what we expected. That's the way it should be. And I would, I would like to think maybe that doesn't change much in OTAs. Maybe it doesn't near the end, maybe in minicamp. He's taken more. I would like to think in, when camp opens in late July that they sort of know what they're doing and Richardson gets more. If it's, if it's 50-50 now, which it probably is, I mean, I – I saw KB had it, that, that Richardson took a few more. I think we had three or four. I think it was three 11-on-11 11 11 sessions. But let's say it's 50-50 or 55-45. I would like to think in camp in July if Richardson has made the progress that they anticipate that it's, I don't know, 70-30 I, I don't know what, what would, would make sense for, for the rookie to be getting because if he if in the back of your mind or you guys have decided that he's going to be our guy, unless he proves otherwise he's our starter, then he's got to get more of the reps. And I, I think that's in training camp. I think that's when we'll see that. That'll tell us all we need to know with how they view this. They're not, if he's not ready and they don't think he's going to be ready, they're not going to give him inordinate reps to kind of force feed it if they don't believe he can do it. But I think he can. I think he will. And I think it's going to be up to him to prove 
that he's not ready because I think we've talked in the past. I, I think it was close. And, and I've said before, and I still believe this, that Minshew will be more game ready September 10th. He just will be. He's been the offense two years. He's played for what is it four years? And but but but, it, but if the rookie is close, whatever close is, I think you go with him. Stephen Holbert and I were talking that you know maybe they start Minshew and they have occasional packages with Richardson, which would drive defenses crazy. It would. But boy, if you think if you think he's that close to being ready and he's not gonna do you know too many dumb rookie things? I'm not sure how you don't go with a rookie and you know he he makes it competitive and he's got he's got mistakes but he makes plays and as as long as he as long as he doesn't tell you he's not ready by how he's performing, I think there's a good chance the guy starts. Now, listen, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I've, I've kind of framed it up this way, Mike. I have said if he doesn't start, I, I just, I mean, that's going to be a topic of conversation that they don't want to have. And we'll start there. Plus, you and I have talked about this. If he doesn't start and they expect him to be starter-ready during the season, how would that work? If you're not ready with this off-season of preparation, how are you going to get ready during the season? That's what doesn't make sense to me. That's why he really needs to start week one. Well, yeah, because, again, as, as I've mentioned, it is once you get into the season, you practice like three times in the week, getting ready for Houston or Tennessee or, or the Rams or whomever. And your guy, your starter has to get the reps. You just can't say, okay, these three sessions we're going to let the rookie get. That's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Uh, and the fact that the, the bye week is so late, they can't, you know, they wouldn't wait that long if, if, if Minshew starts and they make the change. Once you get to the season, it, it's about the next game. It's really hard, unless there's an injury, it's really hard to start getting another ready at a certain position, particularly quarterback. So, you know, I, I again, I, I do believe that, that he'll show what he needs to show and, you know, maybe he's not 100% ready, but, but he can protect himself. And by that, I mean, he knows the offense, he knows protections and all that. So, but no, I, I you and I agree with this. I, I, if he's not your starter when the season starts, First of all, I tell you, they don't believe he's ready. But, boy, then it's just hard to get that guy extra reps to get him ready. So it's going to be really interesting. We're going to see so much in training camp on how they do it. And at some point near the end of camp, I would think, he, if, if he's making the progress, I think he's taking more and more of his first-team reps. And that's not a knock on Minshew at all. He could be lighting it up. I mean, actually lighting it up. But Richardson is here for a reason. I mean, he, he's the future of the franchise, uh, one way or the other. Uh, he is. So I, I'm really curious how this develops. And, again, we're going to write about it because that's what we do. We make observations. But it's going to be how they view him on what he's doing internally with the offense, making the right plays, making the right reads. 
But I think we'll, we'll get an indication by how they handle practices in, in, in Westfield. To Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So Michael Pittman Jr., he wasn't there today because of a, a birth of a child. We know that. Uh, any other people missing from OTA this afternoon? Yeah, that, I, mean, I guess would be an unscheduled missing piece. Well, it's hard to say unscheduled because if there's anybody dealing with much of anything in, in, in no OTAs, doubt. they don't practice. They just don't. And, and we got some updates on Braden Smith has a thing in his leg. Well, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> but but we got, you know. What, was that, was was it a thing in his leg? A thing, thing in his, his leg. leg? I think it was. Yeah, you know. So, but that, <laughs> we, we got, I, I tell you, we got more from Shane Steichen today on guys dealing with things, which which is, it, it's good to get something about what that, why a guy's not practicing. I was a little disappointed. I guess I had high expectations, and I shouldn't have. The Jack would practice, not not practice, practice, but but have a helmet and do something. But he's not. I'm not sure we'll see him this during the OTAs. I don't know. I, I I guess I'd like to see something just so we're not going into June and July not knowing, and then we're waiting till training. But I, it would ease a lot of anxieties if he does something before they break in, in, in mid-June. I'm not surprised JT's not practicing. He had that ankle uh, surgery. Uh, so n- nothing really nothing really major. Uh, but but he, Steichen mentioned that, that Leonard and, and, and Rigoberto Sanchez, remember he's got the Achilles, tore the Achilles. But they're progressing well, but there's no timetable. So We'll see. I don't get too bent out of shape on OTAs who's not participating. Unless the guy didn't have surgery and he's not out there. But, again, if they've got a sore hamstring, if they've got whatever, I'm not surprised. And one thing to keep in mind is we get, we're out there one day a week. So so maybe somebody wasn't out there today, but he practiced the first two days of the week. So you just you know it is voluntary. So it's really good to see such strong participation uh, and, and again anybody that's got any kind of alley at all they're not going to practice so Mike Chappell at CBS 4 and Fox 59 Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline of course he's uh, talking about OTAs with us right now Tavern Tour Stop month of May is at Eddie's Sports Pub at Noblesville off of State Road 37 we'd love to see you up here. I brought up this question a little bit earlier, and you and I kind of made note of this last week regarding extensions that are going to be handed out. Let's just say hypothetically here, you had to choose, or you thought that the team had to choose between Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. Is it just absolutely drop dead honesty here, they go with Jonathan Taylor, or would you be skeptical about that? Where, where do you think they would go if they had to choose between one or the other? If I if I had to, to bet my money, which I've quit, I I learned I, I got Robin Miller broke me that a long time ago by me losing all the time. I would bet that that JT would get done. If only one of them, it'd be JT, because because it's going to be a shorter term deal for less money, 
than what Pitt was going to cost. That's only because he's a running back, and running backs aren't getting what receivers get. And I do, I really think they value they value them both. They do. Let, let's not let, let's not gloss over that. They 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 are high on both these guys. It's just when you're talking receiver, you're talking the 18 to 20 million dollar range, and and maybe they get them both done. I hope they do. You get good players, and you, you need to keep good players. You just do. It's 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 easy to say. Well, we can get better than Michael Pittman. Oh, really? I mean, it's it's not that easy. Uh, but if I if I had to guess one or the other, I'm guessing JT just because it'll be a little bit cheaper, uh, just cheaper, which which is a relative term. Do you think that Michael Pittman Jr. Well, we'll first ask you in your opinion, but then what you believe the opinion is of Chris Ballard. Is he going to be worthy of the amount of money that he will want? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I thought he was impacted the most by a crappy passing game last year. He has a 99 catches. I'm telling you, it's only been like five, four or five times in league history that the guys had 99 catches and not gotten 1,000 yards. It's really hard to do. And most of them are by running backs. But I thought I thought the passing game really hurt him last year because they couldn't throw the ball down the field. But the, the, the issue is going to be is is how do the Colts value him? And, they, again, they value him. They do. They really do. As opposed to what Michael Pittman thinks he can get on the open market. And, you know, it may, as we see with a lot of players, maybe, maybe they don't get what they think they're going to get. But if he has a decent year this year, whatever decent means, he'll get he'll get some big offers on the open market because just because he's big, he's got decent speed, and he makes contested catches. But what what are the Colts? What are their limits? And they've always they always had limits with players. They just do. What is their limit on re-signing their top receiver? Because when again, if you, if you resign him. It's going to take probably every bit of that to replace him with a free agent. You just can't can't keep going second round draft picks and and recycle them. I mean, you you need you need to have guys. I mean, I, I keep going back to the Manning years when they had, of course, that, that was an aberration with Hall of Fame receivers, but they always had quality receivers, two and three deep. So I, it, it, that's one that we've talked. That's going to be one of the most interesting things is how different are the Colts' views of Michael Pittman's value with Michael Pittman's view. It's going to be really fun to watch. So Mike Chappell joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So how much of this has changed for Chris Ballard in your estimation? His view on, and I know that, if he were to hear this right now or the Colts were to hear this right now, they would all laugh. They'd say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. But his his vision, his view of how he he does look at wide receivers and wide receiver compensation now compared to the way that he used to, is that to you the same? Or is it now more of a lean to recognizing that, yeah, you know what, these skill positions are incredibly valuable and we're going to have to pay up to that particular level. What's his thought? I don't know. If, if I guess if he had a had a 
dramatic change in, in roster building, maybe they would have signed a veteran wide receiver, which they didn't. You know, they didn't re-sign Paris Campbell, which wasn't, which wasn't even remotely a big contract. So I, I still think they believe that, hey, it would be great to have Justin Jefferson, you know, or, or, or Chase or someone like that, Stephon Diggs. But you don't have to have them. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that, although it's not my money and my roster budget. But we're going to find out. We're, we're going to find out. Again, I, I, that's why I, I think JT is an easier sell to, to get an extension. Agreed. I agree. Yes. And, and Michael, we're going to find out. And, and I don't know that it's going to be a dramatic philosophical change with Chris Ballard if they do, or if when they do Michael Pittman, it's just going to be recognized that, boy, once again they hit on a draft pick and they're going to keep their own. You always overpay for top talent. I would rather overpay for my own than somebody else's. I, I just would. And I think most of the time you, you're, you're more correct to overpay for your own than you are to, you know, op- open Ursa's checkbook for a free agent. I don't know that they can continue to do this with second-round draft picks, although they've been I I think of it this way. I, I, just, I was just kind of curious if you think that his philosophy has changed over the years. Because, I mean, again, no. they would dismiss that. And I don't think it has either. No, I, I don't. I, I, he, 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 I, it's not that he, he's stubborn. It's just that he believes yeah. in, in how you build a roster. You know, I think if, if the situation had presented itself earlier, he would have gone after a quarterback. But they really weren't in – they certainly weren't in a position with a, with a top four pick during, during this quarterback shuffle they've gone through. But, uh, no, I, I think at his core – I thought he told us once it was before the draft or whatever that on his headstone it's gonna it's gonna be offensive line defensive line. <laughs> <laughs> I just believe that and and good for him. I mean, I, at least if you're gonna go down or whatever, go down with your core beliefs intact. So no, I don't I don't know that he's changed, and I don't know if they pay Michael Pittman if that means he's changed. It might again it'll just be that. They, they, they've re-signed their own. The, the Shaq Leonard and, and Braden Smith and Naheem Hines and all these guys. So, to me, that's what it would show more than he's changed his roster-building approach. So, my Chapel Vest, final thing, and I've tried not to make a big deal out of this. Uh, somebody asked me on Saturday about it. I responded to it, and others responded to me. And then you have seen Jim Irsay with his tweets here recently. He, he kind of knew that he should have put Peyton Manning in his <laughs> top five over the weekend with the passing of, of Jim Brown. Right. Um, and do you agree with that? I mean, he kind of realized his mistake right there and then tried to cover that up. Because every single time, Mike, I'm sorry, I, I don't care if he's going with, well, this is just what I truly believe. doesn't matter. I mean, you always, if you're Jim Irsay, put Peyton Manning in your top five all time, don't you? Well, especially when you don't put him in because you put Tom Brady in. Well, how about you put know, John so, Elway in? 
John Elway said, you know, I don't even play for you guys. You guys suck. You know, it's funny. So, yeah. I, had that dis- I had this discussion with Rick Venturi today, and he <laughs> believes uh, Elway is top five. Now, he and I disagree, but th- this is the defensive coordinator that said, hey, I need to deal with this guy, you know, yeah. all the time. And he was a pain in the ass. Not Venturi, but <laughs> John Elway. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, I disagree with that. And in, in, in they left off Lawrence Taylor and Jerry Jerry Rice for crying out loud. But you, when it when it comes when it came to the Manning Brady thing, I I just I, I just don't agree that if I'm an owner and I've got a guy that's boy right there, I take my guy and say, Yeah, he's my guy. Yep. And we, we can have the Brady Manning argument forever. And, and you're not right and you're not wrong. If it's that close, you go with your guy. But, boy, he had like two or three follow-up tweets to kind of do the Michael Jackson moonwalk uh, to backtrack. <laughs> so, you know. But it, it's anytime you get a top five list, all times, you're going to get – if you get 50 NFL guys to do their list, you'd probably have 50, get 50 different lists. You know, Jim Brown, of course, but then, you know, Reggie White and LT and, you know, Joe Montana and, and Johnny Unitas. I mean, they, they, they played football back in the day. So, but yeah, I was a little surprised he did that. And, but it's, it's, that's, you know, that's Jimmy. He does that. And then he kind of reconsidered <laughs> and changed it. Hey, Mike, really quick here. Do you think that has anything to do with Manning and his homestead now in Denver? And then being at the Denver game during the postseason and wearing orange ties wherever he is, is there? I think there's any level of animosity there between owner and former quarterback. I don't. I hope not. I hope not. Uh, I I know how how Jimmy believes his how he endorses Manning and he he, he really like he, he didn't like him. You know, there's a love level there. An appreciation level, so no, I don't think so. I now, trust me, Peyton Manning noticed. I mean, you, you, you know Peyton, he, he noticed that, and he just put a little check mark by. Okay, you, oh, don't you know he did. Fire, yeah, right? he, he's got a whole he's got a whole book of check marks at this point. No, you know? it, it's, some people never forget. Peyton never forgets. So I don't, I don't think so. I, I mean, J- Jimmy considers Peyton. Near and dear, so I don't. Uh, I I would say no. I certainly hope not. So Mike Chapel at CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. Appreciate you today, man. Thanks for the breakdown of OTAs, and we'll have more. Will you be at a carb day our, tomorrow. I'm going to be at carb day tomorrow. You're going to be out there? No, but uh, <laughs> Brian Adams. I think what I'm going to do is put my CD in and drive around the track, drive around Speedway with, with my window down and it cranked up because I. I'm a big Brian Adams fan, but yeah, I can't be out there. It's just too much. No, you got to go, man. Come with me. Come out there, man. I'll give you a. Uh, yeah, come out there and hang with me. Yeah, that's fine. You got a golf cart? You got a golf cart? I'm having tip troubles again. Um, I can finally. Yeah, you I, I got a, I got a service. I have a service sticker. And I can drive anywhere out there right now. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's gold. Time. Have so, a great yeah. time. Yeah. I'll, I'll be singing some. Brian Adams in my car. Great I love I, I love the fact that that you enjoy Brian Adams because so do I. Hey, great stuff and, and looking forward to, to listening to it. So have a great time. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Later.